Hello and welcome to episode 167 of Effect. The wise words of Chairman Dave. I'm Matthew. And I'm Chairman Dave. And uh, we've got a pack show as usual today. So, um, obviously including some wise words for me, apparently. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I would like to point out that the, um, the, the, the whole idea of the wise words of Chairman Dave came from a friend of mine who, uh, um, uh, who I, who I met in the nineties, um, guy called Martin, who's a great, great, great guy. And, um, he used to say, ah, the wise words of Chairman Dave, whenever I said anything stupid. <laughs> so, um, right. So I'm, I'm bear not... in mind that will be the content of this program. <laughs> well, it might be. Um, so I think rather than, rather than everyone thinking I've got some kind of, uh, narcissistic, uh, kind of Zen guru kind of uh, shtick going on. Um, it might just mean I'm going to talk a little bit or drivel as usual. Uh, of course, <laughs> you do have the narcissistic Zen guru shtick going on as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but that's Let's separate to this, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. However, so a it, truly wise person, Dave, would be telling our listeners what's coming up in the rest of the program. So in the rest of the programme, so today we have got, uh, as usual, uh, a, a welcome and thank you to uh, new patrons to uh, to our Discord. Um, we have World of Gaming. There's a few bits in there to talk about. And the, the main part of the show, the wise words of, of Chairman Dave, is uh, me spitballing a bit about game design and development um, and my thoughts on, on some of that. So you said spitballing there, um, like you're making it up as you go along. Whereas, obviously, these are well-considered wise words, I hope. Because, well, you know, we are dedicating a, a whole episode of the show to them. Well, my, my wise words just, you know, whether they're spitballed or carefully considered, I think they're all wise anyway, aren't they? Right. I would say. But it is quite Let early. Let us on wait a, and see, shall it we? It is Let quite early on a Friday see. morning right now. And <laughs> frankly, whatever. I'm not really sure what's coming out of my mouth at the moment, so... Um, yeah, this might all get edited out anyway for just for just being really boring. But, yeah, um, well, but if we do that, then there's no episode. So let's get <laughs> that's true. That's true. Right then, let's um, <laughs> let let's move swiftly on. Then, um, what new patrons? Who do we have right. aboard? We we have this... a new patron. I've just realised that I normally do a last minute check on the morning of the show to make sure we've got any new patrons that have come in. I don't think we have. So uh, any, anybody that's just signed up and doesn't hear their name mentioned now should wait to uh, a fortnight and then I'll, I'll fit you in there. But earlier on in the week, oh dear, we did oh have dear. one new patron. Um, and that is uh, a chap by the name of Dystopia Matt. And honestly, that's not me. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't describe you as dystopia. Um, but welcome. <laughs> welcome, Matt. Um I, uh, I I I would blame your parents for calling you dystopia, but you know yeah. it's a matter for you and them, I guess. But welcome. I think Great. that might be his social handle. Yeah, it might be mine. Yes, I was trying to make a little funny joke there, Matt. Thanks for, for just oh. spoiling it as usual. The wise words of Chairman Dave. I see. <laughs> but welcome, Matt. It's great to have you on board. Thank you very much. You realise now you've told me that, it's just not going away. <laughs> that might have been a tactical error, mightn't it? <laughs> um, now, uh, you know uh, I am famous for my segues on this show, and I'm able to do a brilliant segue here, because Dystopia Matt obviously 
only supported the show because he's got a game coming out soon. <laughs> okay. And that takes us neatly into the world of gaming. Now, obviously, I'm not accusing you, Matt, of um, of just uh, just becoming a patron to advertise your game because a bit later on we'll be advertising another game from somebody who isn't a patron. So, uh, you know, we'll take anybody's, uh, anybody's attention. But um, let's begin, though, with Dystopia Matt's a Fearsome Wilderness game, which mm. is quite an intriguing prospect. He, he came on our Discord the friendliest place on the internet. If you're a patron and you're not on our Discord, get thee to Discord and sign on. It's great. <laughs> and he came on our Discord to tell us all about it. And it's apparently based on a board game that I don't think we've seen in this country. No, I don't either. However, I'm doing another gift at the game... Sh uh, another gift? Another, sh uh, another shift at the game shop tomorrow. And uh. I will look through their catalogue and see if it's something so you're giving, I'm sure it's not in stock you're giving gifts away in the game I'm shop I'm not giving you gifts at the game shop now so that you've heard it here first guys if you go to the friendly local gaming store in all the shops I think is the one you're at yeah. when Matt is there he is giving away free gifts these well, are the wise words <laughs> of Chairman Dave I'm going to be going straight down there tomorrow if I've got enough petrol to get anywhere that is uh <laughs> <laughs> These are wise words indeed, but don't come tomorrow if you want free gifts. Come next weekend on the 16th of October, which is Free RPG Day. So, yes, there are giveaways in the game shop in Aldershot and at many other friendly local gaming stores around the world for Free RPG Day. Look, but, we got that bit of World Gaming News in. We but you, that's totally unscripted. Well but done that was, there. But actually, that, that is a class segue. Saying yeah. that we've got a new patron and he's got a game to promote isn't a class segue, I'm afraid. Ooh, wow. <laughs> oh, But that was. Um, but you're not even going to be there, are you? I'm not going to be there because I have exciting news as well. You're I am going off. to to Free League uh, to... Well, not going to Free League. I'm going to Essen. <laughs> free League is not a place, you know. the Free League stand. And <laughs> yeah, I'm so you're, very excited. It's great. It's great you could do it because you're my understudy, aren't you? They wanted me, really, but... Um, I couldn't make it, so... Uh, well, I'm not they, sure they really they wanted you, instead. because it was my suggestion that you went. The story behind this is, uh, obviously, we did UK Games Expo, and um, they sent over to you the enormous great uh, banner with an alien on that we use in our stand at UK Games Expo. And because we were doing Dragon Meat later in this year, they said, I'll keep the banner with you, because um, we don't need it. And then a couple of weeks ago, um, they wrote saying, um, we do send that banner back because we're going to be in Essen. <laughs> and um, you hadn't replied for some reason. I can't remember why. It was just a couple of days. I guess you were busy at work or something. So I'd replied saying, well, yeah, he can do that. Obviously, I have to leave it up to Dave because it's at his house. But you know what? He, he could deliver it by hand and work the stand with you. Just, you know, smiley face. Ha ha. What a funny joke. And they said, <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Sadly, but, it's, um, it, it wasn't really convenient or right time for me. Uh, but yeah, great that you could step in and and fill the yeah. fill my shoes, as it were. That sounds a bit well, wrong. Well, believe me, I won't be <laughs> filling your shoes because I've smelt your shoes, Dave. I've smelt your shoes. <laughs> uh, um, it's, it's not the I'll worst thing between us that smells, though. Frankly, my shoes are actually quite fragrant. <laughs> it's, it's your ass that smells, frankly, mate. So um, <clears throat> we will be uh, well. We it'll be the first time I'm, I'm working a stand without you. Actually, I think. I know. 
How will he come? I mean, apart from those those enormous times every day when you skive off, and I'm left to the stand on my own. Um, skive you're off. Out. Yeah, you skive off all the time, Dave. Let's I'm be not honest. Sure. I think actually the main skiving off last time was you <laughs> skiving off with with all of our friends to go and have coffee. Although, oh, yeah, I did. Although I, I, do have to, I came back and you I got the coffee. I do have to say, I was about to say that then you very kindly came back and said, go back, there's a coffee waiting for you, which is very nice. It's very nice to see them all. And uh, it was brilliant as well because it was, you know that old gag about your second cup of coffee is free, I'll have a second cup of coffee, please. You had a second cup of coffee because you actually had my second cup of coffee. And it was free for me anyway. And it was free. Yeah, it was yeah. excellent. Um, yeah, I've kind of lost track of where we're going now. Oh, yeah. So well, let's Essen. get back to uh, Essen. <laughs> Fearsome Wilderness. Fearsome Wilderness. Fearsome that's, Wilderness. That's it, yeah. We can, we, can, we can rehash Essen at the end of the show again, just to remind everybody what's yeah, going we on. Might, yeah, because actually that will be um, uh, details in the next show. So, uh, yeah, uh, Fearsome, Fearsome Wilderness is a board game, which I think you might only be able to get in continental North America. Uh, and... Yeah, I'd never heard of it before. It sounds like, um, it sounds already like it's very similar to the sort of survival um, rules of Mutant Year Zero and of Forbidden Lands. Mm. So obviously the company behind it are doing the sensible thing um, and taking their, I'm guessing, reasonably successful brand, moving it into role-playing and... um, and uh, Matt is, Dystopia Matt, I should say, is turning it into a Year Zero engine role-playing game. Mm. Do we know and much else just, about it? I don't think we do at this point, do we? Well, he described it a little bit on um, on on the Discord, friendliest place on the internet. Come and join us. <laughs> uh, and, it, is, uh, it, it is the friendliest place on the internet. That's why we keep saying it. So uh, we, that, is, that is why we keep saying it. it, it it's not an idle boast. But on the on on the friendly space on the internet, which happens to be our Discord, uh, Dystopia Matt said, "It's Conair meets Lost." Mm. Yes. So I think you are a bunch of convicts who land on. It, it's kind of science fictiony, um, but you land on a planet that is generally hostile to human life, and you have to make a life yourself there because you're all convicts. I think. I think you might even crash land on the planet. I think I think you were being taken to a hellhole prison planet and in the end ended up somewhere even worse. Yeah, it says here, your characters begin the game as prisoners aboard a prison transport spaceship who have recently awoken from long-term hibernation. In the prologue scenario, the prison transport ship crashes on a mysterious wilderness planet inhabited by unnatural fearsome critters of American lumberjack folklore. Hmm. Mm. Is, there, is there a... Is there a Verson swing to this as well? Uh, the, horror, the horror is compounded by the fact that medication required to adjust from prolonged suspended animation does strange things to the mind. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so this is something I hadn't heard of before. I hadn't heard of, um, of uh, Fearsome Wilderness. But this sounds, you know, quite straight up my alley, actually, because, yeah. you know, Earlier on, it says, uh, where are we? Let me just find the right bit. Um, there are, yeah, there are fearsome critters lurking in the night. The PCs deal with nightmares and wilderness survival is at the forefront. You'll work to gain food through foraging, trapping, fishing and hunting. Then you must allocate time to prepare if it's, if it, prepare it if it's raw, 
and preserve it for later. Um, the scenes will alternate between wilderness survival and solving mysteries of the wilderness. Now, it sounds straight up my my street because this is exactly the kind of game that I enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Particularly on video games, it's exactly the kind of survival thing that I really like. So yeah, yeah I should be watching this with um, with with great interest. With so, interest. So I think we'll do more than watch it with interest. At the moment, he's writing it. Um, the website's up, and we'll put a link to this in our show notes. Yeah. Um, he or they are going to probably kickstart it at some point, but they might proceed that with a quick start uh, version of the rules to you know build popularity up so when they release either one of those things announce the kickstarter or release the quick starter <laughs> um we'll get an interview with dystopia matt because he's one of our patrons now hmm. so, uh, so i'm, I'm sure looking... he'll be amenable to an interview and we'll ask him I'm more sure. about it i'm just looking at the uh, the little website link that uh, like you say will be in the show notes um the book design that they've got in there looks really cool actually i like that very mm. much uh you know me i'm easily easily kind of seduced by something that's easy on the eye uh and that looks really nice it looks good so uh yeah it's also the looks like the um there's a minis line that goes with the um the board game miniatures collection uh yeah so it's interesting so it says october 2020 fearsome wilderness the board game and miniatures collection launched on kickstarter uh, and it was at that point that they announced that the next project would be a role-playing game set in the same world. Yeah. So cool. Interesting. Cool. And a Year Zero Engine 1 to boot. Indeed. Although I'm now beginning to get to the point where I'm thinking, hold on, I've now got a backlog of Year Zero games I have kickstarted. And we haven't even considered, you know, I'm sure we said at the time, oh, we'll do an episode of that on our actual play stream. And uh, we've got a massive backlog of things on an actual play stream. But, um, yeah. but never mind, we'll get round to them eventually, even though we have all got jobs now. Well, I do think there's a, there's an interesting thing here that I think we mentioned a, a few episodes ago briefly, but didn't really talk about, which is at what point is there year zero saturation? Because there's mm. a lot of year zero games coming out, um, you know, from a, a variety of sources. Um, some of which, you know, I'm working on, uh, you know, directly. So, uh, you know, how... I mean, the Year Zero Engine is such a good game engine that it, it's obviously... It, it bears the weight of a lot of different settings and concepts. But I just wonder if the point will come well, where it'll... The, you know, the, the, the general gaming public will be, oh, God, not another bloody Year Zero game. I think there may be voices like that already, but these are people who don't like the Year Zero engine. Hmm. And, and in the end of the day, you know, we don't play much D&D, but l- there's a whole bunch of fifth ed games out there. And and that's not saturated, that market, as far as I'm aware. Uh, no, that's a fair point. Yeah, maybe there's... We we, we need to find the way to tap into, uh, tap into the, the 5E market and get those well, you 5E, know what? 5E players playing... Year Zero games. Yeah, uh, I've been... Well, one of the interesting things that came up, and in fact, another one of our patrons um, pointed it out to us um, and had a conversation. Apparently, and I mean, keep meaning to look this up, uh, apparently the guys in Crit- Critical Role took a bit of time out to do an alien-based... Ge- well, not quite alien. I think they mixed alien and mothership to do right. a, a thing. 
And there were a whole bunch of comments about, oh, the end of this looks really interesting. There are even one comment which um, which our patron, uh, Wit, um, pointed out uh, where, where somebody had said, I didn't even know that there that D&D was part of a thing called tabletop RPGs. I thought mm. D&D was it. So, um, you know, that's opened a little bit of the segment's uh, mind up to the idea that uh, you know, other games might exist, and particularly Alien. Yes. I want to watch it to see how alien it is and um, how Mothership it is. I think it's interesting that they merged those two games. They didn't want to just run Alien. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're, we're getting off the subject here. But anyway, we will put the link in the show notes to The Fearsome Wilderness, and we will see that coming to a channel near you shortly. Hmm. Indeed, and good um, luck, good luck, Matt, with, uh, with the development of that. And another friend of the show, and patron, I believe, has also got a Kickstarter out, and this Indeed. is something that you know a little bit more about than me. It's Aegean. Yeah, so our friend uh, Stu Goff has uh, kickstarted the, um, the the main rulebook for Aegean role playing game, which is set as the name suggests in uh, in the Aegean, and it's kind of Greek mythology based, where you play heroes who are exploring and communing with gods and defeating monsters. Um, now there's a quick start came out a while ago, which I which I bought because the the other thing that I really like about uh, the Stu's idea here is the idea of um, city building, and that your mm-hmm. heroes form part of a city uh, on on an island or a coast somewhere, and part of the game is developing and building your city and your community. Now I really like that idea we, we've, we've oh, talked do you because you know that alien <laughs> colony game doesn't have any sort of city building equivalent thing in it and it neither know. does tells of the old west you know <laughs> there was me thinking about a very simple gunfighting game and now suddenly we're building deadwood um <laughs> and politics there's that ancient roman game you were trying on us uh, uh, a few years back and of course you're thinking about converting to the year zero rules and that's got a city building mechanic in it too Something like that, yes. Yeah, um, I never twigged that you liked <laughs> city building. So I, I, yes. I mean, I know you're not very, you're not very attentive, are you, Matt? So um, uh, I'm not surprised you haven't noticed after 40 years. But yeah, so I like that kind of concept. And there's, there's not. I'm trying. I've been trying to think of good examples of where that sort of town or city building thing has been done before. Um, and there aren't any brilliant ones i think the one that kind of comes closest for me but it's actually really still quite abstract and quite um uh quite sort of high level is the idea of the arc in mutant year zero Mm. and that works really nicely but it's 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 still quite a simple straightforward approach which actually might be the best way of doing it i mean yeah i was about to say we found with tales of the old west that simple may be better at every iteration i've simplified 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 uh, it is early i mean it's it's before 10 o'clock on a friday i mean sorry guys um i've simplified each variant of the town each rules. iteration of the of the um, town building and rules, yeah. and they've got better <laughs> as a result <laughs> it's um, time so, it's amazing how that happens <laughs> uh, i know i know uh, but again i think 
that's partly specific to Toto because I think in Toto, building your town and your community isn't the number one priority for a player. But yeah. it's a it's a nice thing to do if your players want to be building their local version of Deadwood, which is great. Now, yeah. in, an, in a different game, building the city might be the primary... The very core of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do think, uh, you know, in your defence, that a colonial, a colonist book of Alien needs to have a building the colony yeah. element to it. That has to be a thing. I mean, I'm sure that um, the guys at Free League are also thinking about exploring a strange landscape and finding ancient secrets and all that sort of stuff, which is all good, but the core activity of an actual colonist is building a colony, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely, yeah. Yes. So... Um, so anyway, so I got the quick start, and I was I was slightly disappointed that it didn't have uh, didn't reveal anything about that part of the game. So maybe I shouldn't have been. It's a quick start, so it's really just giving you the rules, you know, as quick starts mm -hmm. do to get your get you actually into the world and playing it a little bit. Um, so I was really interested to see Stu's Kickstarter kick off. He's got um, another two weeks, even or in fact more than that. Actually, I think let's have a quick look. So we've got... 20 odd days still. We have 23 days to go, and he is two-thirds of the way towards his target of £6,000. I have backed this. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the, the, the city-building rules. And, yeah, I just love the idea. So particularly having just come back from a cruising holiday in the Aegean, <laughs> um, uh, where it's just such a fabulous location. Um, it's It's a setting that is... Well, for so many reasons, is just so ripe for a good role-playing game. Not only the landscape and the kind of the real history, but obviously the mythology and the colour and the variety that goes with all of that. Uh, it makes uh, you know the Aegean and the sort of Greek mythology setting just obvious and ripe for a good role-playing game. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so. If you're interested in that, folks, get yourself off to um, Kickstarter. Uh, there are 23 days to go from the day of recording, which is the 8th of October. So get in there and help Stu get that over the line and let's get some of those um, stretch goals uh, opened up. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, and we are shills for not just you and not just for <laughs> Dystopia, Matt. Uh, we will gladly be shills, basically, for anybody who pays us any attention whatsoever. Um, so we got an email earlier this week from um, a company called Three-Eyed Goat. And, uh, well, I, it may be easier if I read it out, actually. They say, to whom it may concern, they don't even listen to our names at this podcast. Uh, to whom it may concern a defect podcast, we are Three-Eyed Goat Games, a shiny new independent tabletop role-playing game publisher. We are bi-coastal. Mm. Two of our trio are based in Atlanta, Georgia, and our third is based in Los Angeles, California. We're big fans of what you do, mm. and we love to share our very first RPG playtest, Black Rose Manor, with you to see what you think. We're not looking for publicity, but if you want to give it to us, that's awesome! And we're not going to say no. Really, we just want to share this game with knowledgeable players and storytellers that we hope will appreciate it, and we kind of need it out of our hands at this point. We're not Swedish game makers, 
So we totally understand if you want to make a pass on this. This is, I think that's the paragraph that they've put in just to say something specific to the podcast they're writing to. I, rec- I reckon that first paragraph, probably it's a standard. whole bunch of podcasts have got that. Yeah. But, but here, you know, just giving us attention gets results. So, uh, so anywho, Black Rose Manor is a survival horror TTRPG that plays on haunted house tropes of stories like The Haunting of Hill House, The Shining, 13 Ghosts, the Haunting of Bly Manor, The Amityville Horror, The Conjuring, the list goes on. It does. It's a rules-like game that favours narrative above mechanics and is largely character-focused. It uses an original system created for this game that is hopefully quick to pick up and play. So, not Year Zero, uh, but neither was G in Year Zero, let's be frank. No, it's not, uh, but Aegean is very similar in concept to Year Zero, though, in many, yeah. in many ways. Uh, the game itself is driven by the fiction and intended for one shot or very short campaign play with room for as many players as a game master can handle. They, they, and they sent us a, the, the sort of starter, quick start, playtest document, as they call it. That's also available on RPG, and we will put a link in the show notes because it's kind of interesting. It and it's in RPG as pay what you want. And they say, and I'm quoting here, we suggest free because we just want people to play it. And um, they've given me an attachment, and I said, well, the least we can do in return for this uh, copy you've sent me free of charge without even having to go to DTRPG mm-hmm. is um, is mention it in our upcoming World Gaming slot. So consider yourself mentioned, Three-Eyed Goat Games. <laughs> Indeed. And it looks, it looks like a fun game to play. It is relatively rules-light. I'm looking at, um, oh, actually, more pages than I thought. 37 pages. Uh, <coughs> yeah, I haven't looked here. at it yet. Uh, now i have a bit of a thing with pdfs i've just got to get over but you know i i've come out of real publishing and any number of pages that is not divisible by four offends me so i hope three i goat games you're going to sort that out eventually because uh, do you want to explain why because a book is made up of a piece of paper with four pages printed on it, mm-hmm. folded in half. I mean, that's essentially, you know, that's the simplest book. But mm-hmm. all books have blocks of uh, pieces of paper folded in half with four pages printed on. So all books have a multiple of four pages. And it just offends me when there's an odd number like 37. And I know if you're reading it on PDF, that's fine because it's only a PDF and you can have as many pages as you want in a PDF. But if, if you're going to print it out and publish it, then it's got to be a multiple of four pages. Sorry, it's just me. I know. Well, it's, I guess it's, it's probably weird. it's easy to make it a multiple of four pages by adding extra artwork or adding a, a acknowledgements page or something. So it's exactly. not it's not a big problem, is it? I guess. Yeah, yeah. But I always try to to do things in multiples of four. I mean, I don't know that we've succeeded in the stuff that we've done, but um, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kind of the way I'm going to go and check that. stuff that we've yeah, done. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to haul you over the coals if they're not multiples of four. So, anyway, this game is set in the 50s in America. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can set it in other places as well because uh, it's one of those rules-like systems that's easily yeah. expandable to. Uh, it seems to have a sort of four <coughs> conditions of terror. So you've got four terror tick boxes to kick off. Your skills, I think, are kind of player-defined. So in the example they give, you've got a discerning eye, a twin bond, and a narrow focus. But I think you could almost put any words in there. And you've got mm. some stats with uh, you got six stats and you spread 12 points among them so 
in this example, uh, this particular character has got athleticism one, resilience two, wit of four, awareness of two, agility of one, and presence. So a very witty person. Um, <laughs> and uh, that means clever in this game. Um, but um, yeah, and there's a f you, you also write down your flight or fight response, fight or flight. Um, and his is uh, drinks liquor from a flask, which I kind of like. So anyway, it hmm. uh, looks like a simple game. Check it out on Drive-Thru RPG and Three-Eyed Goat Games. Um, uh, yeah, good luck to you. And um, if you want to tell us more about it when you get to publishing a bigger version with a multiple of four pages, then come back to us. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think, guys, if you do do it, then you're listening, you should do it not as a multiple of four just to see Matt rage. So I think that right. should be... <laughs> they may not get on the show. They may not get on the show if they don't. Well, they, do they, they might, the though, actually. <laughs> they might, still. <laughs> um, cool, cool. What else do we so, have to say what about else the world we got of gaming? In the world of gaming. Um, well, we've all received the One Ring PDFs. Yeah, we have. I still haven't read it yet, actually. Uh, I need to find some time to do that. Have you? No, no, me neither. I, ah. I committed myself at the weekend to at least read the um, the starter set box. Yes. And I've got halfway through maybe one document. I think this is my problem with, and this isn't just Year Zero games, this is too many games to run now. And also now that I'm starting work again and I don't have seven days a week off, which I have had effectively, I'm finding it difficult to fit stuff like that in. Yeah. You know, I've also got into the habit of watching a lot of YouTube videos and, you know, they're still going to be watched. If I don't watch them, who else is going to watch them? <laughs> I mean, mm. So what, what kind of YouTube videos are you? Have you oh, got a... dear. You don't, want to, you don't want to know about my YouTube video habits. <laughs> okay, but this, this, probably why. It's mainly started with uh, over if, a year ago. And if I don't, when... then clearly our listeners shouldn't. And is there, is there, <laughs> is there a concern about no, this I'm, game I'm to the say, police? No, you you ask the question, you have to hear the answer. <laughs> no. So just before lockdown, it was my boy's 15th birthday and he wanted a guitar for his birthday. And this whole guitar craze in this family started with that. But mostly it started because I watched YouTube to try and find out about guitars. And I haven't stopped. I stumbled into this, didn't I? I stumbled yeah. into letting you, you talk about your fucking guitars on this bloody show. This is a role-playing game show, not a guitar show. Yeah, you want to listen to an episode a few weeks back when we went to UK Games Expo because there's guitar playing on that episode. <laughs> Proves don't uh, listen to these shows. Uh, and well, in fact, I, one of our patrons said he'd like to hear more of that, but, um, did but he? that's all he was getting. Well, I think what you should do is do a YouTube video, totally unrelated to effect, of you playing <laughs> the guitar, and or anyone can then watch it on YouTube anytime they like. Yeah, and, and that's already been done. You don't have to worry about <laughs> that. Okay, I, I might allow you to put a link to the show in the show notes to that one, just this once. <laughs> Just to get people to it and off, uh, off hoping that this podcast is going to have guitar playing in it because it won't. <laughs> okay. Well, it might. It's kind of boring. I'm testing out been... the settings on my new amp, so it's just like you know, uh, three chords. It might be because you've you've been you've been doing the, the the lion's share of the editing, so you could edit in anything you want. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited power. power. But I've got to say, yeah. even though I haven't read the One Ring PDFs, they look... They do look... Gorgeous. Lovely, don't they? Yeah. And I remember that conversation that we had with um, 
um, well, particularly with Martin, actually, where I asked him um, about his thoughts of the design. And what I was hoping for when I asked that question is exactly what we've got. Mm. It's gorgeous. It's really gorgeous. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I'm, <clears throat> I, you know, when I find a an eighth or ninth day in the week, I'll be quite interested to play it. I'm not sure I want to run it, but I'll be quite interested to play it. Although I did, I see, think we might find see, patrons who'll run us through. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, a bit like the great game we had of Slay a few weeks ago that um, mm-hmm. our friend Noble ran for us. And he uh, might run that because he's quite a, quite the, um, the, the one, ring. one ring expert. So that'd be great. That'd be really good. Yeah. Although it, it was interesting. I I was reading something uh, about somebody's game. It might have been one of our patrons. I can't remember who. And they're going through the list of characters. And it, it, it felt very kind of stereotypical Lord of the Rings. Now, this might not be such wise words, but... I kind of felt I'd want they something. Really are, Dave. <laughs> I, I kind of sort of felt I want something slightly different, a twist or something to it, rather than just. So I think you're reading old, the same old tropes. Thomas's character, where he talked about a Thomas, uh, uh, sorry, a Thomas of Bree, no, a Hobbit <laughs> of Bree, a dwarf crafter and hard-nosed yes. merchant with serious armor and kit, an elf of Linden Warden and Dunedin Ranger. And, and I am going to put, propose a counter-argument, Dave, which is I don't want to not play Lord of the Rings when I'm playing the One no, Ring. No, I was going to say, I mean, what what kind of should you expect from a from the One Ring, a Lord of the Rings game? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There was just a bit in me. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe is that... Is that something that means that Perhaps deep down, I'm not really that interested in playing it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But I am. I am interested in playing it. But I don't know. I don't know. I think <clears throat> I think I'd need to give it a try. I guess, I guess I just I just fear that in the role playing game, all the characters, you know, the the halfling characters are just going to be a version of Frodo or Sam. And the elf characters are just going to be a f- version of, of Legolas and Orlando Bloom staring into the distance, trying to look profound when he can't really act that well. And, uh, you know, just just it would be nice to have a slightly different twist on some of those very well-known right, well, character We'll have to see. We'll styles. have to do some character creation and see yeah. whether we can get slightly different twists. On I'm sure you can. And interest. obviously the, 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 the world of Tolkien is is so rich. And there's mm-hmm. so much to it that it's going to be impossible not to have, uh, you know, a game that is feels fresh and new and exciting. But I was just reflecting on my kind of initial gut reaction when I was reading that reading that post. Yeah, um, I mean, I think there's uh, there's definitely design decisions made here, which, for example, in Middle Earth role playing and the supplements uh, for Rollmaster that originally came out about Middle Earth for Iron Crown. They made a lot of stuff up to make it actually more like traditional role playing and stuff like that. Mm. So you know, in in Middle Earth there aren't really wizards; there are angels that do magic, and that's who Gandalf is. Yeah. Um, but of course, uh, back in the day, uh, 
you know, people expected to be able to role play wizards in 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 their fantasy role playing games, and so Iron Crown Enterprises created a way that people could be wizards. And you know, I think that's fine, but it's not actually Middle Earth. Yeah. Yes, because there aren't very many wizards, are there? And there are no. a lot of there are a lot of hobbits. <laughs> yes. And there are quite a lot of elves, and there are a lot of dwarves. And the wizards don't do much in the way of actual wizardry because, honestly, their power is almost more than we can comprehend. So if you think about what Gandalf actually did in Lord of the Rings, apart from fight a Balrog... Fighting the Balrog, is, I guess, was... Yeah, you know, which most of us can't do is the point behind that. But in terms of sort of D&D-type magic, he he does one light spell when they're going into a cave. Yeah. And a couple of other minor things like that. They're all kind of, if you like, level one spells. And, he, he, and that's he, it. Uh, yeah, and he, he kind of like wards down the, the Nazgul. Yeah. Uh, but like you say, it wasn't he wasn't firing firebolts at them. No. No. <laughs> yeah. So Interesting. Um, shall we move on to uh there's a almost half a segue there in what are the decisions they made when they were designing this game into an article on game design well yeah let's do that i i i fear that that segue is actually into your subsequent article on game design but let's listen to what you wrote about in this the first of what may be a series I've been thinking about doing a piece on game design and development for some time. Since I've had the opportunity to work on a number of things in recent years, and have always, as part of my hobby, been tinkering with new ideas and concepts. I've often wondered what qualities a good game designer needs, what skills and abilities you need to bring to bear to make a compelling game world and system that supports it. As far back as the 1980s, I was creating game systems of my own, both with and without the help of others. There was Fields of Fire, a combat war-based RPG that preempted the West's military meddling in the Middle East by about a decade, and a system that worked pretty well overall, except the grenade mechanics, uh, and a system that would be classed by any modern definition as crunchy. Then there was my take on a game set in ancient Rome that worked well enough, and has left me with both a desire to do a Year Zero engine version, and quite a lot of reference material, like maps of Republican Rome. And then there's a Wild West game that preempted my and Matthew's desire to complete Tales of the Old West. And those are just amongst others. I have at least two other ideas brewing up at the moment that I'd love to take forward when I have the time. The first thing I want to say is that I'm spitballing a bit here, I have no plan, and I'm just talking about what comes to mind in game design. I may well have to do some more of these to cover off all the bits I'd want to, as well as I'd like. But I also want to say that this is my take on it. There are many professional game designers out there who will all have a different view. And by simply being a role player, you are a game designer in one sense or another already. So I've got no unique access to the rights of any of this. Having said that, my first exam question is why? Why do we, why do I, even want to do this stuff? I think when you boil it down, it's all about storytelling. And for me, the desire to place my friends and other gamers in stories that excite me, and I hope will excite them too. I get my inspiration from a lot of places. Great books I've read and want to recreate, 
the desire to make games that fill what I see as a gap in the gaming repertoire. Games that add a style I feel I've been missing. They might be historical, or fantasy, or in the far future, or a parallel existence. But they should all be things that fire your imagination. And that is perhaps my first nomination for a quality needed to be a good designer. Imagination. So far so obvious, I hear you say. Well, ready yourselves for more tales of the bleeding obvious as I come to my second nomination. Enthusiasm. You need to be enthused by the stories you want to tell and the world you're setting up to tell them in. A lack of enthusiasm is easily spotted as the best work is detailed and thorough and well thought through. All things that are too easily overlooked if there isn't enough enthusiasm to see a project through. And this is another key point, seeing a task to the finish. Even writing a scenario can be a tall order, but a whole system, mechanics, setting, the people who inhabit it. I once read an interview of some young up-and-coming writer, whose name I can't remember now, who was asked his advice about how to finish a book. And it's advice that applies equally well to the marathon effort in bringing a game system to life. His answer was, not finding something better to do. And it's so true. I have almost two complete novels sitting waiting to be finalised and published. But have I found the time to get either over the line? Not yet, is the answer. Not while I have so many RPGs I'm desperate to bring to life. So we have enthusiasm, imagination and the drive to finish the work. What else might you need? Some would say writing ability, a skill with words. And yes, of course, that's partly true, but perhaps not in the way most people might think. Yes, of course, being grammatically accurate is important, unless your shtick is that you're not. But you don't need to be able to write a flowing, flowery language. You would find, as I have, that prose that dances off the page in a beautiful pirouette is far less interesting to game publishing companies than something that's clear, functional, reasonably well written, and above all, concise. There's a word limit. You have to stick to it. Ideally, you should come in under it. It leaves little space for colourful description, especially if that description adds little more than a bit of extra colour to the game. Stephen King always advised new writers to take their finished work that they've beautifully crafted to be as tightly written as possible and then take out one word in every ten because the book will be better for it. I guess I've wandered into the realms of editing a bit here now, a rare skill in and of itself. Um, That usually happens at the end of the process. But as a writer, having an eye for the editor's approach can only be a good thing. That doesn't mean don't write the game you want but you can look out for the worst excesses of unnecessary writing and not be too upset when the editor rides in like a cowboy and starts whipping your text into shape or more accurately into the shape they want. So writing ability gets on the list too, but it's more to do with the approach to the writing than the ability to write like Dickens. One thing I've found very useful, which I'm always trying to develop is my analytical approach to game design. In working for Free League on the Alien line, I'm all over the analysis. Analysing someone else's initial text, in Alien's case, Drew Gasker's work, is quite easy, I find. Much easier than analysing your own. 
A part of my job for Free League is to deconstruct the scenarios Drew creates, see how the players will intersect with them, and identifying the parts of the story and scenario that can be improved. Working from somebody else's baseline is easy. The subject matter for analysis is all before you, and coming up with ideas, amendments and enhancements, and contributing to the overall quality of the work, is really rewarding and great fun. But bringing that analytical focus to your own work can be tricky. For one, you may love a part of your game, a rules approach or a setting, and feel nothing but pride at the magnificence of your work. But it might not work in the right way in that place. It can be hard to reach that analysis yourself, without an outside perspective. And it can be hard to drop it from your game. But drop it you must if it doesn't work. So, be analytical makes it onto the list, which also brings in be logical and be consistent. But also, ruthlessness makes it onto the list too, as you must ruthlessly cull parts of the game that don't fit or don't work. That said, you don't have to sacrifice those sacred cows. You just lead them off, back to the paddock, to wait for your next game to come along, when they can be brought out again, and hopefully are all the better for a better fit in a different context. That brings me on to concepts and philosophy. But I think I'll save a discussion about those for another time. Well, wise words, Dave. <laughs> wise words indeed. Um, now, and I think the wisest words were actually towards the end of that piece, so we could cut out the first seven minutes and concentrate <laughs> on, that, on that last paragraph where you say, one thing I found very useful, which I'm trying to develop, is my analytical approach to game design. Mm. In working for Freely on the Alien line, I'm all over the analysis, analysing someone else's initial text. In Alien's case, the lovely Drew Gasker. I've added the lovely in there because you forgot to put that bit in. Um, <laughs> now, that's quite easy, you say. Hang you on, find. Hang on, hang on one second, Matt. So, wait, the lovely... So now you can right. cut that in. We'll my edit piece. that back in when you're done. Good, good. <laughs> um, if you think I'm going to waste my time editing <laughs> your basic error, then I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, he can catch up on the lovely then when you've just said it. That'll be enough for him. Uh, but the main point I was trying to get to is you say it's much easier than analysing your own. And um, it is, isn't it? Because I, I think that's very true, yes. Which is why you need me to, um, well, um, basically tell you how crap it all is. <laughs> or to yeah. explain why your town, town creation rules are too complex and we need to simplify it. Not telling you how we need to simplify it. I don't think that's my job, but just to say, no, nah, you need to make that simpler, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. I mean, taking that as an example, um, I, we, well, with both the colony stuff that I did and uh, for Alien and the, the town rules for Toto, my my original stab at it was just a little bit too complicated. Now, I think for, for, for Alien, I didn't simplify it a lot, but I did simplify mm. it a bit. And I think that's probably okay. Now, I still don't know um, whether the Free League guys are going to want to use that, despite the lovely Drew's um, comments on Facebook a while ago saying that, that we were. Um, so knowing what they're like, it might get 
considerably altered if they think it's too long or too complicated. Yeah. Um, but I think for me... And they might I, ask I you to got, do that. They might they, come back to you and say, completely. we like it, but simplify it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing, when I when I first did it, which is nearly 18 months ago, I was looking mm-hmm. at even a bit, bit longer. I did it as a... It took me two days to do it, just sitting down and writing. And I pinged it over to them. Again, this is just kind of my enthusiasm and sort of subtle give us a job kind of approach. Um, and they responded and they were obviously, they were really impressed with it, which is fabulous. Um, I did ask Nils at the time, um, what what could I do to improve it? He said, make it half the length, <laughs> <laughs> which is the standard thing from them. Get the word count down. Um, obviously I mentioned the word count in my piece, but, um, but I think that needs to have a bit more complexity. The thing with, I mean, you saw right at the start with Toto that it was probably going to be a bit overcomplicated. And having been playtesting it, I've kind of simplified it maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. And there is probably another level of simplification that I'm going to add to it, which just takes out something which seems sensible, but actually at the table doesn't doesn't really add much. So, Sam, what is that thing, actually? Because I've been listening as I've been editing, and this is actually what we've been editing and we're doing we're on on our actual play feed you can listen to um a play test from actually almost a year ago i think yes it's at least a year um, ago probably longer uh, actually uh, uh, steaming rock Uh, so it's gone through a couple of iterations since then but what's the thing you're you're thinking about now uh, simplifying um so so i I did change it quite a bit since then so actually the version Mm -hmm. that's being heard in the play tests now is not the version that we're using um and what I did with that version was um, take out the, the specific rules around developing properties and stuff and add them into the overall um, sort of rules in general about improvements that you might yeah. make either to your town or to your property. And the thing that I've taken out of it now, or I'm in the process of taking out, is the need, f- one, for a, for a skill role, because um, I think this is more on property than actually on the town. But on the property, the skill role was kind of pointless because mm-hmm. it was really difficult to come up with something that was sensible as a penalty if you failed the skill role, rather mm-hmm. than just saying you've wasted your time and you know back to square one, which didn't feel yeah. right. And then there was also the kind of the variable cost. Um, I was trying to, to work out a way of... of of, of allowing the players, if they wanted to, to do the work entirely by hand without actually buying mm-hmm. anything. So in your free time, you go out to the woods and you, you and your mate you chop, chop down the trees the tree. down and you cut yeah. your timber and you go and do it all with that. And that seemed fine. But actually the, the kind of the, the, the variation it gave you in building the town or building your property was just kind of pointless, really. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm taking taking a lot of that out simplifying that significantly because the players it didn't make any difference you know because the cost <clears throat> uh, it, and this might be a um, uh, uh, a symptom of, of me being kind of slightly over generous with money in the game um, yes but the, that but the, is your problem but the cost of doing <laughs> some of this stuff actually wasn't prohibitive so why would they bother spending six months chopping their own wood when they could just buy the wood, which is actually relatively cheap? Yeah, so, and there's so some interesting kind of thing. things about um, 
uh, you know, ob- so obviously, if you look at the genre in the fiction, in films and books, uh, but you know, particularly, let's let's go with uh, the the original Western books, uh, Little House on the Prairie, which is pretty much a book about chopping down trees and building a house. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of that in the books, but you know, again, the actual adventure, you know, that's kind of a background to the adventure. That isn't what the protagonists are doing. Yes, we know it's taking a long time. We know in the, you know, in the series of books they're moving from place to place to place, but that shouldn't be the focus of all the die rolling and stuff that you're doing. So, no, and and the thing that I'm I'm trying to to build into it that. You know, not every player is going to want to worry about, but it's the yeah. idea of, of building kind of your family dynasty. Um, mm. You know, and you may well then play the child of your character in the same way that we played the child children of our characters in Pendragon. Because okay. I, I I love the idea of that continuity, um, and I want. Okay, to- I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little proviso in in there in the, the Western period. You know that if you like the old west period of american history is actually still relatively short isn't it yes i mean it's yeah. from the period where we're starting as opposed the game. to the dark ages in um, um in Arthurian well although it's interesting though you say that you say that so um if we if we if we're starting our game in 1872 um mm-hmm. you've then got 30 years at least yeah. of the wild west and it's becoming less wild obviously over that period um, you could set start your game earlier if you wanted to mm-hmm. by ten or twenty years. That would be entirely entirely feasible, um, and that gives you say thirty or forty years. So you could easily play at least at least the second generation, um, mm-hmm. if not if not the third. Um, in Pendragon, our campaign has covered the period of Arthur, um, and that is like. Thirty or forty years, maybe a bit longer, because my no, my, it's, it, it's longer because we started like, about thirty years before. Probably Arthur, more like sixty years, isn't it? Yeah. But okay, but still, I think I, I don't think I, I, I don't think the Wild West is uh, it, it's impossible to do that kind of thing because I think you know mm. a lot in in the Wild West, a lot of things was about building a family dynasty and building a mm. family oh, holding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not saying that every player is going to want to do that, but um, it's something that I would want to do if it I was playing the game. It, it's um, definitely a trope of the West to yeah. know, steal <clears throat> land from other families and uh, support so your family with it. definitely want to have that as an option. Um, I think there is the playtests are demonstrating that we haven't quite got to the point where the where time moves on as quickly as that. So so taking Pendragon mm-hmm. as, a, as a really good example, we might play just one scenario, or maybe and two. And a year goes by. Yeah. And then a year goes by. Um, we're doing seasons in Tales of the Old West, so you mm-hmm. might play two or three scenarios, and then three months has gone by. So actually, the idea of a generational character development with characters who are the children of your starting character, it's going to take a long time to build to that. But it does yeah. allow you to build that dynasty idea. If you want to build your family, your character can have children and they will be growing up during the campaign. They might not get to adulthood by the time the campaign mm. ends, but the prospect is there. Um, and you could always, as a GM, once you've had one character uh, or one group of characters play through you know, a, a, a campaign... 
you could jump forward 10 years and those yeah. characters are either dead or have moved on, but their children are there and you start the campaign afresh with their children. So I think there are options for that kind of generational um, sort of legacy style play. Um, but yeah, this, so this is all about the town. Um, so anyway, we've, we're simplifying the town and I think it's better for it. Um, but there's, there's, I still have, you know, I talked about gaps in the gaming sort of repertoire that I would like to see filled um, for me, you know, for my own personal preference. And I think there is something about a really good sort of uh, city town, like haven builder idea mm. um, where that becomes slightly more front and center. That might be, as you said, something that should be in maybe a, a kind of a Roman city state style game, perhaps. Um, okay. Now, now let me, let me be devil's advocate there as well, because you know, that is my job to be the little demon on your shoulder that tells you <laughs> all, all your ideas are shit. Um, <laughs> But okay, when I think of you're, you're the Roman historian, so you know I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm expecting you to totally contradict me in this one. But when I think of Roman stories, one of the things that features a little bit in Tales of the Old West and in your Alien Rules as well for for town building is politics, and I can definitely see politics being a big thing in a Roman game. Mm-hmm. But I don't particularly think of many stories where uh, I've read. I mean, I know it must have happened where, you know, Romans come to Colchester and effectively build Colchester. Um, but I've not, I've not read many stories about that. So what's your, what's your kind of source material? What are the stories that you, you know, you talk in this about um, these are the stories you want to tell and you hope other people want to play in them. What are the stories that inspire you for those sort of town mm. building Roman stories, as opposed to being political in a town. Yeah, well, I think there are two probably quite different elements. So the 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 idea of kind of the Roman game I did before, and the idea of the sort of the Rome Year Zero that I'm thinking of, is is intended to be set in the Republican era towards the end of the Republic. And so, so Rome, just to be really specific, not Year Zero Anno Domini. No, Year uh, it's Zero not, it's as not, in the system. It's not far off year zero, Anno Domini, actually. Um, but it's, yeah, it's in, it's it's kind of like the 150 years before, uh, you know, before Christ. Before year were, zero. Or before the common era, yes. Yes. Um, so the Republican era game, uh, you know, Rome is very well established. Rome is the, the, the power in the Mediterranean. Um, and there is less option, I think, for kind of city building in that setting. And, but that setting is absolutely ripe for um, senatorial politics and uh, battles and that kind of infighting, sort of family infighting to gain um, superiority over your rivals. The the city building thing could could go earlier. So if you go forward, go forward, go backwards, six or seven hundred years when kind of Rome is just being established as a city state, you have quite a few city states. Um, and they are competing with one another. And now in the history, Rome dominates them and then incorporates them as part of Rome uh, as time goes on. But there might be something in there where you are playing nobles or um, mm. citizens of one of these city-states. And it could, you could place it anywhere, pretty much. And then you're, you could even be the Roman city-state. But at that point, 
Rome isn't dominant, um, and therefore you've got a, you know a real kind of city-state building mm. vibe in that kind of environment. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's interesting because I do wonder if that latter, you know, I think you know enthusiasm for Roman history there is quite a lot of it out there how much of it translates into people wanting to play a game about it is another question how yeah. much of that translates into people wanting to play a game about it set in a period that is unfamiliar to most as in 700 BC is a, is another so that'd be an even smaller niche on a niche I suspect and how um, many want to play a game about it where there aren't also Cthulhu monsters or zombies or vampires because yeah. you know you and I we don't like that shit, do we? We want natural, not supernatural well, games. It, it has a place, but in the games that we're designing, no, it doesn't have a place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so there may be a reason why all the Roman games I can think of do include monsters. Yeah, but this is this is one of my things. So the thing that really annoys me about the entertainment industry generally is. Uh, and particularly movies, films, historical films, that they take a historical event or a period and they make up tons of shit about it, which is wrong <laughs> and crap, as if the history itself isn't fucking replete Exciting. with drama and yeah. excitement and all the rest of it. And I, it just really annoys me. So You, do you know that you and I rubbish. share a game about that, but I suggest... That you promised another article on concepts and philosophies, so we might talk about that bit after that second article. Yeah, that sounds great because I think there's there's a lot to be talked about. So, so I mean, this this article was quite general, and it was sort of me musing a little bit and working out where I was kind of going with the thought. Um, but yes, I think concepts and philosophy are are I. I two different things in many senses. I think concepts can be the kind of the setting concept, world concept, yeah. but also under that heading, I would include the concept of the rule system and the yeah. mechanics and how that, how that works. Cause I absolutely, I, I mean, we, cause we I'm wrote not sh something about that for the Western game, didn't we? Before yes, we, we did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, but I think <laughs> I'm wondering how many, really unique and fresh concepts in terms of game mechanics actually come out nowadays because mm. you see a lot of things coming out which are are variations upon a theme and it might yeah. well be that actually there is a limited number of concepts you can actually run in a role-playing game when you've got to pick up a bunch of dice and roll them against some kind of target to work out whether you succeed oh, there or not. you go already um, you're limiting yourself to just games with dice Think out of the box, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Although I say that, I actually have been converted slightly. That, that game you did that you made with cards, I really enjoyed. Um, so, yes, I, my, my anti-card kind of uh, uh, hysteria is less than it was. But no, I, I, have, I have some ideas. So I want to do a medieval role-playing game. I have ideas for a concept the mechanics which i'm not going to talk about because they might be shit but yeah. they might be really good um which i'd like to use in that which i'm kind of working on and i think the way I, that i haven't seen anything that is similar to the ideas that i'm coming up with but i do accept that i am not over the entirety of the role-playing um uh, you know 
this the, the the landscape. There are gay. There are many games out there that I'm not familiar with. So yeah. Um, but yeah. So concepts and philosophy for next time. Well, maybe not next time, but the next time I talk about um, uh, game design, which may be in a couple of episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. It's an interesting conversation to have, that one, for sure. Uh, because next episode, um, we're going to have, uh, I think the, the main bit of the episode is going to be my report from Essen, where I make you really furious about not ha- having chosen not to go. And it'll be me having a really good time in Essen. I'd be very upset if you didn't have a really good time in Essen, mate. Yeah. So I'm going to take my little recorder and hopefully we'll get more better quality uh, sound than we did really for UK Games Expo. Mm. But we did get some good stuff for that. So we will put, and it won't be the whole episode, but we'll put a sort of half hour or something of that in and talk around that with the world of gaming news, etc. And then after that, maybe we'll look more at um, concepts and philosophy in role-playing games. Sounds good. Brilliant. Cool. And we've just gone over the hour. So... Um, so yeah, it's going to be an hour and ten or something. But we've talked enough again, as always. We have talked enough. Good stuff. So it's goodbye from me, and it's good night. Good night from him. Good goodbye from him. Ah, uh, just I, I obviously got up too early this morning. It was just not right. Um, so I tell you what, it's me that says, and may the icons bless your adventures. You have been listening to the Effect Podcast, presented by Fiction Suit and the RPG Gods. Music, stars on a black sea, used with permission of Free League Publishing. Is it? I was going to say it this time. No, but I just, I, because you, you you totally screwed up that last line. So May the icons I I'm going to bless my dreams. Right. Okay. You happy now? <laughs> I guess so, yes. <laughs>